Welcome back, Lori Kilmartin. Lori is a stand-up comedian and an Emmy-nominated Writers Guild Award-winning comedy writer. She was a staff writer for all 11 years of Conan on TBS and has performed stand-up on Conan, Late Late Show with James Corden, and Comedy Central. She was a top 10 finalist on season nine of NBC's Last Comic Standing and has been a guest on Mark Maron's WTF three times. She is the author of Dead People Suck, a comedic memoir about grief, and Shitty Mom, New York Times best-selling comedy about parenting. Her special, 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad, was named Vulture's Top 10 Comedy Specials of 2016. In 2022, she was a guest in the comedy episode of Hillary Clinton's 2022 Apple TV series Gutsy. Her new special, Sis Woke Grief Slut, taped at Hollywood's El Portal Theater and is available right now on all platforms. So go and get it. Yes, she's our wife for a month. It's been a while. Why not during Black History Month? Why not? Also, welcome back, Onika McLean, born in North Carolina and raised in East New York, Brooklyn. She is a single mother of two, legal professional and a sharp comedian whose no-nonsense perspective on life, love, single motherhood, and her midlife crisis is taking the comedy arena by storm. She was a fan favorite on Bravo Television's The Single Project. She's the winner of the Slosh Comedy Competition and the Rising Stars Comedy Competition in London. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and Twitter is friends like us 10 become more than a friend leave us a tip or donation by going to our patreon page go to patreon backslash friends like us special shout out to our patreon friends it's because of you we keep going and now for our golden friends you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage we record every monday go to patreon backslash friends like us and be golden merch is available we have t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs face masks and tank tops they're all available just go to marinafranklin.com saturdays on my youtube channel i go live with my wacky friend dave Juskow. check it out go to my youtube channel we give updates to the show we shout out fans who leaves us reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows with friends like us it will help you feel not so alone because more content it's on the way tell a friend you know to check us out Stay safe, wash those dirty little hands, be nice, and Black Lives Matter. I've got two ladies and they know each other. They work at the stand at the in New York City. That's why they know each other. We got Onika McLean. She's my friend. She's funny. And she's yeah, she's smart and <laughs> I have no rhymes there. <laughs> and Laurie Kill Martin, she's got her special out. It's called Sis Woke Grief Slut. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Love it. <laughs> I should, maybe oh. I should script that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Welcome, ladies. This is so fun. I feel like we are all also women of a certain age. So this is why I really like this group. Thank you. So, Lori, congratulations on your new special. Congrats. It's Thank you. just like I told you, I have not watched the entire special yet, but the clips I've seen are amazing. And also, you are a master at what you do. I've always told you this. Like, Lori is one of the comics that if you want to learn how to do stand-up, you watch Lori Kilmartin. Like, <laughs> she's a master. Uh, thank you. Coming from uh, a master, that's amazing. Uh, Marina, I have uh, known you since you were a little puppy. And uh, you've always had your own unique timing. You, uh, To me, you and Ted Alexandro are... You immediately tell the audience, this is how I'm doing it. And you make them conform to you. And I, and Maria Bamford does that too. There's very few comics that can do that. I'm, I can't, 
you know, I always, I kind of, I feel like I follow the audience a little bit and I, I have always loved watching you since the start, you know, you're just uh, incredible. Oh, thank you. That feels good. Cause I sure did bomb this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> they did not, they weren't coming. Oh yeah. No, they there? weren't. Co- it was also, it was the lighting situation. I couldn't see the audience at all. And then when you do like this, this makes you look weak on stage. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't see. And it was like, there was a part of me that wanted to say, can you turn off the lights? I mean, the light thing you have going, because it's not working for me, but I just left it. And, and so you feel like you're performing in a vacuum, like you don't know what's going on. And it, and it was silent. Was it a theater? That venue is more of like people who don't know comedy come and people yeah. who are going to see movies and in, they're just experimenting with what to see. Ah. So it's it's like that. They're not necessarily coming for you or comedy. They're just like, oh, oh is there? Oh, sure. I'll go. Oh, OK. That type of thing. So you have to really have a host that can inform them what comedy is. And I didn't have. She was lovely. She was sweet. Onika, I, I needed you. <laughs> Basically, you know I, should, so I thought at the last minute, I was like, why not call Onika? Yeah, well, you know what's so funny? I went to Fresh Air Fun from age eight to 14. They have that's how I remember. I, that's how I, that's when I saw that. I was like, oh my God, Fresh Air Fun, she's gonna be in the town. <laughs> was it nice? That's yeah, it was it was wonderful. I stayed with my good white family. I think that's why I have an affinity for white women. I just realized that that's why I have an affinity for white women. I was like, why do I with them so hard? And then I had to start going through with my therapist, and I was like, Ann Connor, Ann Connor, <laughs> Ann Connor. She was like my little saving grace. She had two houses. She was her husband was a doctor. It it was amazing. She had ten children. They all had their own rooms. It was just. Coming from East New York, like from the projects and going there every summer. It was like a camp. It's called Fresh Air Fun. It still happens right now. Wow. Yeah, Zainab did it too. Mm-hmm. Wow. You, so you go there to get fresh air and then they it's like kind of like neutering cats and then they return you back. Right, they return you back. <laughs> you go there. You go there. You. You it's, 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 and it's, it's kind of like a mind. It's kind of like a mind game if you think about it for little kids because they see you know they bring inner city kids that have seen a lot of trauma and all kinds of stuff I mean that's not the prerequisite but oftentimes that's what it is when you're dealing in in poverty or you know whatever and then going to this life in suburbia Pennsylvania like I was they had wrote about me in a newspaper because I was the first black person like the 80s in the time I have the clipping it was. <laughs> you have the clipping. Oh, they were like the first program. black person to do what? Be there? like in that town with that program. Wow! Wow! It was. It is so crazy because I loved her so much because she she was just so amazing, That's amazing. to me. She was and, so amazing to me. Like I'm still cool with her kids. Well, she passed away, hmm. but the younger kids uh, were Matthew and Stacy. Those are the ones that were around my age. And uh, I still talk to them sometimes. That's Pennsylvania. And then you came back to the city. Did you notice the difference in air quality? <laughs> it wasn't about air. <laughs> it's not? No. What? It's, not, it's not about air. It is about, fresh air. Yeah, this is the name of the place. It, but it has to be because New York's air is like, every time I leave and come back, I'm like, this is bad air. Okay, well, I was I was eight, so I wasn't thinking about air, but <laughs> the lives were vastly different between the two women, my mom and then Anne. Wow, so it's a lot more than just the air. It was a lot more than air. Uh, how many, to, how, how many summers did you do it? From eight to 14, because when I turned 14, I thought I was too grown to go. But I would go, like, it used to be a two-week program, but I would spend, like, months there. And then they would oh, send me stuck. Christmas gifts. I was like their little adopted kid instead of from like Africa or Cambodia. Less of a commute. I would think that I would love to go to do that today. I wish they had one for Vermont. I would 
pretend to be like a kid and go and hang out for two weeks. That'd be a, a cheap vacation. Frozen Onika? Onika's frozen. I She's know. like this. So zen-like. And it's so funny because she was like worried about her um, internet and she's like this. Look, that's her memory of the fresh air fun. Look what it's doing. That's the most attractive freeze face I've ever seen. The most, uh, I agree. I'm like, so Lori, so now let's get to your special. Let's okay. Go. Enough the fresh air. <laughs> Lori, this is what I've, I'm reading about your special from Rebellious Magazine. They are saying Cis Woke Grief Slut is a hilarious hour-long special that challenges the modern notion that you have to restrict what you say or risk being canceled. Kilmartin says what she wants and she does with precision and wit. Sure, she may get trolled on Fox News again, but that experience only promises to become fodder for her next sure-to-be-hilarious special. <laughs> so, Sis Woke Grief Slut, I love that title, is available to purchase or rent via Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, and other videos on demand platforms. So, stream it. More information, you could also go to LoriKillmartin.com. How did you come up with that title? Uh, well... It, based on various topics, right? Um, cis, because I have, have a bit about trans women, and but it's more about cis women and how we need trans women. And I kind of wanted it to be not, <laughs> I wanted it to be about me and not like other people. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. plus, when Elon Musk said cis was a slur, I was like, all right, here we go. It's got to be the first word in my title. <laughs> and then uh, woke, I guess, is because usually that's what that's what YouTube guys will call me in comments if they see a certain joke, you know, so I'm like, all right, I'll just call myself that. And then it's not really I'll take at least I'll take that arrow out of your quiver if I'm using that metaphor correctly. And then grief. I have a chunk about my mom dying of COVID. And a slut is what I was called by Christians for doing an abortion joke on Fox News. And also, I am a grief slut. I mean, I have I did do a special about my dad dying of cancer. And then I have this chunk. So uh, I guess it all sort of felt like it described what you'd see a little bit if you if you wanted to. You know, because coming up with the title is probably the hardest thing, I think, for a special. Like, I do remember, like, Sarah Silverman, like crossing it out, coming up with really think like, how long did it take you? Did it, did it just land right away that idea? Or was it like, did it take you a while? Uh, I, I don't, I think it landed pretty quick. I just liked four sharp little words, three to four. And I guess, what was that? Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Magic Lost Sex or something like that. It, I kind of like that chop, 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 chop uh, thing. So I guess. Yeah. So Anika, so the special, Lori's special is called Cis Woke Grief Slut. <laughs> all the labels. <laughs> exactly. All the labels. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love the, all of it because woke, especially, I do feel like they, you know, what's funny is I made fun of it in my special, but then I saw how they weaponized it and then I felt bad about making fun of, but it, it was, mine was more of a personal feeling, you know, it was not, not really making fun of the word. It was making like, you know, please like give me a chance to catch up to all these labels. Oh, that, I remember that. That was, but that, yeah, that's obvious coming from your point of view. I mean, yeah, you don't get that vibe that you're like this alt-right, you know, victim trying oh, to complain about things they can't talk about. Uh, yeah. It, whatever the word started as, it just turns, it has turned into a uh, monstrosity, you know, that, that I think weak comedians use to excuse their lack of audience response. You know what I love about you, Lori, too, is that you attack, you dark comedy, which is what you were saying, like, you know, here we go with the dark comedy, uh, I'm excited that you're here. I hope you guys like dark comedy. You say at the top of the show, people always say they like dark comedy. And then you do that one joke that sends them walking. Can you tell us a story about that specifically? 
Oh, um, I, you know what? There was one joke I had about it was, it was, it was way before I had kids or a kid. Wait a minute. I just have one child. It was, uh, something about adoption. Like I don't want a kid who's, I, I don't know. It was, it made adoptable and it was just a joke about not wanting a, a baby that was adoptable, you know? And, uh, a woman came up to me after a show and said she was adopted and didn't, appreciate it. And she got really angry with me. And then I, Greg judge was there. He witnessed this, the comic strip. And then I think I said something like, I, I know why your birth mom gave you up. She was very unpleasant. (laughs) Greg can testify to this. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's more that thing of people claiming they love dark comedy and then pulling back when you actually do some dark jokes, you know? And, uh, so I just wanted to warn them up front because later on I was going to do a bunch of my mom COVID stuff. And that that's always when, if people are going to pull back, it, it would be during that chunk. And so then I have to remind them, hey, you agreed and I have it on tape that you liked our comedy. So you're not allowed to cross your arms now. Why do you think people are so sensitive today with like with stand up? Because how how many years have you been doing stand-up, Lori? So a long time. I don't know how to add uh, more than two and two anymore. So at least five years. So what do you what do you feel like is different, like with the sensitivity level and are they sensitive and why are they talking back? <laughs> do you think we comics, though, are talking about more serious stuff now as well? Because if you look at, you know, maybe stand up from like 25 years ago, it was a lot of uh, women, you always go to the bathroom in pairs. It was a lot of like really kind of boring stuff. And I, I do think comics now are getting more to the heart of the matter of being a regular human quicker in their acts than they were, you know, a long time ago. And maybe that's, maybe that's part of it. We're just, we're, we're different a little bit. I don't know. We're different. Yeah. I, Go ahead, Onika. I think that uh, we're training the audiences to speak back with all the uh, crowd work clips. And so a lot of the newer comedy fans don't really know how to be comedy fans. And they don't truly understand that it's not about their perception. It's more about our brains and how we see things and they're supposed to be in love with our process and our ability to say the things that they can't say. I think that that's missing. I think that they lost it. That's what that art form is part of that art form. We get to, we get to pose the questions that we wouldn't, that, that if someone else posed those questions, they would be deemed racist, sexist, all the things. But we're, it's, it's like a craft about how thoughts are formed. Yeah. Well, it's also like the comment section is always wild with comments. And I think people, because they are so used to, commenting behind a keyboard then they go out to a club and they go oh well i've i would have said this if i was online why can't i say it now have you ever seen the person like just sitting there and you can see they want to say something but they've been told to be quiet and they do that like i i call it it's like the polite republican smile yes They're not allowed to be themselves at this comedy club because this comedian is so mean. Yeah. And what's funny, you know, we'll we'll get into this in a moment with you, Lori, about like how they tried to dox you. But the Republicans think they have a sense of humor. I know. It's shocking. But it's weird. Like if you look at what they say they're laughing at, they aren't like a laugh is an involuntary reaction. And they aren't laughing. They're clapping or cheering. They're agreeing with the, with the comedians they say they think are funny, but it doesn't, it's not like a, like a real laugh to me. You know, that's, that's what I think too with dark comedy is like, it's, you're trying to just tr- trick them all the time into laughing at stuff that they might feel uncomfortable laughing at, you know? And it's really hard to do. 
and sometimes they, the, they can find your rhythm, <laughs> you know, do you, do you ever like watch Anthony Jeselnik and after about 15 minutes, you're like, where's he going to go with this? Like, you're not even enjoying the setup anymore. You're like, where's it going? Let me see if I can guess it. Like there's some, there's that, that happening, but I, I, I don't see like a lot of real laughs when, when you get to some of that right wing hacky stuff, you know? Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's more of a like a raw, raw. Like I do feel like um, with straight white men right now, I've been saying this for years, them going out to see a white male comic is their protest. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm going to support some, it's it's like, I see it with women too. Like I've, I've seen like girls say to me, we don't see women here. So we wanted to see you. We want to see women, you know, so they want to see someone like themselves. So white men, because they were such a focus and they thought they were losing everything, they lost nothing. They, they're thriving more than ever. Um, and I think it's because also the fear of them being like a minority. Now they go out in like they are selling tickets like Mark Norman. And not I'm not saying these guys didn't work for it. Mark Norman's worked his ass off, um, but he just sold out the beacon. I think two shows. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at uh, what's his name? Who's just hosted. Is he about to host SNL? who was awesome, oh, Shane Gillis. Mm-hmm. They, Shane Gillis is hilarious. But Shane, and he, you know, but it's like the confidence factor, right? It comes when you have validation from an audience and from networks. And then you become, then you could just thrive, I think, as a comedian. Where, where has that validate, where has, have they like, I still don't feel like they get behind women. I, I do you feel like they have, Lori? I, I just I feel like there's even a pullback. There is. I, well, first, one thing I think is um, a lot of the guys that are they're coming from the podcast, right? They listen to the podcast, so it's it's almost like a lifestyle relationship or a social relationship with that comic, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a guy's lifestyle relationship, right? And so. Like I've noticed, like I've been on shows where Shane Gillis was you know, like advertised at the stand and Stavos also, and white men come solo <laughs> to their shows and they don't like groups. They don't have friends. It's almost like they don't have actual friends and their friend is the comedian whose podcast they listen to four hours a week. And yeah. that's where they go. And so, I mean, I kind of feel bad for them a little bit because they don't, they, they need something. They clearly need something and they're not getting it from real humans. They're getting it from, from a podcast, you know? And, um, I mean, I have a son and, uh, he's not necessarily like that, but he could be, you know, because they're so isolated now that they just got used to being alone, listening to a voice they agree with. And, I, and so, Sometimes I just feel like they're not used to women in women comics because they don't hear them on those podcasts at all or referenced or anything. You know what I mean? Right. Like, never like saying, well, we love that Marina Franklin joke. We love that Onika McLean joke. Like they're never, they, they talk about each other, but they don't talk about female comics. Probably. I'm guessing. Well, Shane did bring me up on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast. He did the joke in the most offensive way that it could have been done. Of course, someone was repeating it to me and I was like, that is not the way I do it, but okay. I'm glad he mentioned my name. I want to talk to you about the doxing because that to me is the scariest thing that can ever happen when you're just, and now I'm going to sound like I'm woke speaking your truth. (laughs) Right. You're speaking your truth and you got docs. Can you tell our listeners, because they don't know what happened, like what happened to you? So I was, and I tell the story much funnier on my special, but I'll just give you the bare bones of it. I don't want to like launch into a bit, but um, I was on MSNBC. There's a show on Sunday night called Amen, uh, hosted mm-hmm. by this guy named Amen. And it was the weekend that they, the Supreme Court draft that they're going to overturn Roe was, had leaked. It was Mother's Day weekend. 
So I was just one of the guests on the show as a comic. And so they talked about that topic and I made an abortion joke implying I would joyfully abort a Republican fetus should one be planted inside me. And um, so that joke got clipped out and put on like right wing Facebook shows. And all day on Monday, the next day, there was like tons of email and hate mail and messages. And someone posted my address on Facebook. And then somebody else took, they had pictures of my house and they sent them to me that they got off like Zillow or whatever. And then, um, like some sort of email I couldn't track. And, um, and then I just, a ton of like hate mail, a ton of Christians telling me I should have been aborted, all that kind of, you know, yada, 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 as they do. And then, um, and then that night on Monday night, uh, Sean Hannity did a segment about me and about abortion jokes. And well, it was like, he didn't get it, that it was a joke. He actually thought it was threatening to get pregnant by a Republican and then have an abortion. And he acted like that was like my intention. <laughs> and then had Pam Bondi, who was uh, Trump's, uh, uh, the former attorney general, general of Florida, and the woman who let Trump get off on the fraud charges for his university debated me with Lara Trump, who is Eric Trump's wife. And they, the three of these absolute morons had a discussion about me. It was really bizarre. Um, and so it was like a, a couple days of intense um, uh, attention. And then uh, like, like bored bees, they went away to the next thing that Steven Crowder directed them to be angry about. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're then, right. It was scary. Cause it's also like, I thought they, you know, you know, what's interesting to me, Laurie is I thought they believed in, I thought they were so cool and I thought they like could take a joke and, and they're the ones who's like not sensitive and, and they don't like cancel culture and they don't like you infringing on their rights. And yet here they are. Because they, they just, they're using that to raise money and to get attention. Those are just words to them, you know? And so, you know, the people that like, the Facebook uh, right wing shows that used that clip and then acted like I was a, a strategist for the Democratic Party and not a stand up. They got a lot of views. I mean, it was all it's all clickbait. So it worked for them. You know, it worked for them to pretend that they didn't realize I was a stand up. I can't. Believe, how do they not realize you're a stand up? I think they did. I think they just said, well, this is a great little if we take all the context out of it, it looks like she's declaring war on. Republican fetuses <laughs> with her vagina. Yes. With but here's my- the thing: you actually have, you know, I'm tra- I'm trap neutering. So that's my whole mindset. I just think of TNR, TNR, <laughs> trap neuter return. So well, you got to trap a man. You got to trap that guy. Like you're not going to rape him. You yeah. got to get him. And like come and on, Marina, get pregnant at age 57. I mean, <laughs> seriously. That's why I was like, I'm, I'm in the clear. Everyone knows this is a joke. And, uh, and they still, I mean, I'm flattered that you think I'm fertile at that age. Thank you. You know, that's the moment of that bit, that clip of you talking about that in your act right now. And your new special is the part that I am the most jealous of when I watch it. <laughs> because it's the way it flows And it's so funny and it's so you and it's so conversational and you don't, you know what it is? I don't hear, here's the punchline, here's the punchline, here's the punchline, set up, punch, pass, set up, punch. It's like a very fluid conversation and it's just so smart and it's so like in their face. Like when you say, like, I'm going to get pregnant, like it's just so And then the audience is just dying. And I was so jealous of that because I was like, I live for moments where I'm just saying like, it sounds like I'm just talking and they're laughing and it's like, we're they're yeah. with you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not choppy. It's just, it's brilliant. I love it. I can't wait to watch the entire special. I really can't. It is, <laughs> if so you much. are a young comedian listening to this, go and watch Lori Kilmartin's special. You will learn so much about how to deliver a joke, 
how to write because right now it's not about crowd work, please. Um, and I, and I love, like we were talking early, like, Oh, let me go back to the doxing though. Cause I do want to ask this question about what did you do to prevent? Like, are there any measures that you use to protect yourself? Yeah. A lot of people recommended, uh, uh, an, a, a program or an app or whatever, uh, service that takes your address off of everything on the internet. I have to pay for it monthly and, uh, that'll be nonstop now. And then, um, I got like a security system too. I was really scared for a bit, you know? Um, but, uh, uh, I, I hadn't had one before, you know, it just was seemed unnecessary. So yeah, it, it is a little, a little, you, you don't know. And it seems like abortion is the topic that really makes people go off the rails in terms of taking it up a notch and doing physical violence to somebody. And we, if you get enough emails in one day saying they want you dead, you start thinking, well, it only takes one of these people to find me and kill me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just one. That's what I always say mm-hmm. to the comedy clubs, like get security. It just takes one person and one time. That's it. Yeah. So when you go to the clubs, do you do you, uh, tell them that you've had this situation that you need security and to not be lax? No. Um, like I said, it, it really it went away so okay. quickly that I, I did feel like, OK, it was just a bubble, a blurb. And, and, you know, when I, when I, I still tell abortion jokes or whatever jokes I want to, and you can get a sense if people are angry from the reaction, you know, and I massage things enough to get pretty good laughs on stuff. So I'm not trying to piss anybody off and I'm still trying to get laughs from these topics. I'm not trying to get it, get people mad or anything, you know? So that's always my intention on stage. But, it, but again, you know, I always, worry about us comics, all of us, because we're, a lot of people are armed now. So uh, you don't even have to have a right wing lunatic. It could be just someone drunk comes in with a gun and is annoyed by one joke or you make fun of them. And we're, we're on stage. We can't see into the, we, like if someone's aiming at you, unless they're in their front row, you actually can't see them. So, That's right. I mean, I, I, I hope it, ne- that obviously that never happens, but I always worry about us that way. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. Onika, I know you had a lot of internet issues today. This is, but the thing is, is we're women of a certain age. I really appreciate every single time I'm having a hot flash that you give me um, tips on how to get rid of the hot flash. Like take, you told, you go to TikTok. I don't go to TikTok, but you told me to put some ice on the roof of my mouth and it did go away. Menopause is something that a lot of women don't really get help on, don't really know about. And it's a shame. And fortunately enough, we have this new company. It's called Winona. So many people are surprised. Like there's a lot of older women who listen to our show and we get great notes all the time for women who are getting into our podcast. And ladies, today's ad is for you. We have a brand new sponsor. It's called Winona. And Winona is here to help for women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. On menopause, Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Winona is the home for physician-prescribed bioidentical hormone replacement therapy with an easy-to-use network of doctors based out of your state who can make getting started with HRT a breeze. Winona's bioidentical HRT is made from plant-based hormones rather than synthetic ones. So it aligns with your body's natural rhythm to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. Visit 
buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code FRIENDS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot slash friends. Winona, menopause care made easy. So try it. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, you do massage the jokes so well. I do find like the, like I love dark jokes. That's why I love you on stage because you're not afraid to go into dark material. Like that to me is, and I don't even call it like, like Richard Pryor didn't call it dark material. It was just funny. Right. It was just material. Yeah. But I find like the comedians that do that the most is the ones that I'm most attracted to because that is what I want to hear. I want to see how it's because that's that's the hardest thing is to take the stuff that, you know, the audience is triggered by. I mean, that word trigger uh, is such a difficult word with stand up because that is what we do. We we the punchline, wouldn't you say in the punchline like a trigger? It's like. even if you could even substitute resistance because what we try to do is overcome resistance all the time right and um that's that's what you half of it is your personality your persona on stage you know you can you can get them to relax because you're comfortable and they like you and then you get in there and see if you can keep them still on your side I mean, it, for us, it is like a little game of what can I get away with, you know, but that's, that's the whole thing. So to get mad that, oh, they're tricking us, (laughs) they're, you know, they're using, they're using triggering topics or whatever. Like, yeah, that's a, uh, uh uh-huh. I mean, if, if, if you aren't, if you aren't tricked by a comic at all into laughing at something you didn't think you'd laugh at, then you saw somebody who said stuff you've already heard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Or they just agree like the whole like, uh, agreeing type comic culture. Like, I don't like that either. Like, I don't want you to just sit there. Like I can tell when an audience just, they expect me to be like a female, a black woman who's going to always say the right things when they go, cause I could say certain things and then they're laughing until I say something else. And they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> we thought you were going to say everything we liked. I was like, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's love it when you're in a box and then we love to get out of the box. Right. But sometimes we'll yes. put ourselves in the box. Like you think I'm this, well, now I'm crawling out over here and I'm going to tell you, you love your dog too much. And it, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's fun to like do, to go through that. And I, I think people start to enjoy that little ride a little bit, but they, they also have to let go of who they think you are based on the first couple jokes out of your mouth, you know? Yeah. I love this. Sorry, guys. You say, sorry, guys. I love to tell (laughs) abortion jokes. I, I have had the hardest time telling abortion. I have a joke about not telling abortion jokes, but it's like the thing that I'm so envious of you because you do it so well. And I also think it's just like when you do it, Lori, I, I am fully, I think what you also give you, we trust you that you know what you're doing. You're so masterful at telling jokes that the audience can now relax because we absolutely know that you know what you're doing. I can tell when a comic doesn't know what they're doing. And, and even when I'm doing like dark material and I'm in it, I can feel the audience pulling back because, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. So here we go. Do you ever have moments like that when you're massaging that dark material where it's like, oh, ooh. yeah, totally. I have I have this chunk I'm working on about sexual. A li- well, it's a story, but there's like a little line about sexual assault in it. And it's like, a, I, I think I finally got it, but it's been since this summer 
where where I've been tweaking it and trying it and going, how can I, I want to get this laugh without losing this audience, part of this part of the audience. And so I think I have it, but this is just one line and I've been working on it since the summer. So yeah, I mean, it's, and, um, you know, what gave me the safety to work on it is the next line gets a big laugh. That's not about sexual assault. So I'm like, all right, I have, I'm covered on both ends of this joke. And so let me just get in here and real. it's, it's a messy now. Let me just see if I can iron it out and get a decent laugh on it. And then, then go back, go to, then go on to the next thing. So that I'm, sometimes you have to be, I find like, if it's a really tough subject and people hear the words intense up, you, you can be satisfied with a pretty good laugh. <laughs> it won't be the biggest laugh of that chunk, but it will be like, I got it in. It's a tough one. And it's it. And I'm satisfied with as much as I can get with it, you know? And then you just have some easier jokes on either side to, to hold it up, keep it afloat. Yeah. I love that. I didn't do that this Saturday, of course. <laughs> <laughs> There was nothing holding anything up. And I was just like, I was like, ah! I was out there. I was like, oh, no cushion. You were, you were adrift without your floaties on your arms. Oh no. Never do that. I was adrift. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. I was adrift without my, cause I was like, oh no, where's the, oh, oh, oh God. I just have to tell them, sorry, it's not done. It's not done. Well, let's go. Let's move on to the next. That's what I always tell them. I'm like, well, there's something else coming. And then here's the thing. I was so tired. There was nothing else coming. (laughs) Well, and the hard thing is, is like when you do something like that, it doesn't work. Part of your brain immediately wants to stop the show and go, wait, what happened? But you have like, you need that autopilot part to go into an old chunk so that you have to have all these different muscle memories active in your brain to save you when, you know, like the alive part of you is like, what happened? Why? Da, 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 da. You know, you, you, it's really hard to be a stand up comic. Like you need your full brain uh, on fire the entire time, you know, to do a good job. So I don't, I, I have no idea why I'm coming around to this, but I know you and I are like one of the few people that mask in the green room. And one thing yeah. I'm afraid of is getting long COVID from COVID and having brain fog. And uh, I'm like, what would that do to be on stage if you can't remember words and, you know, phrases and stuff like that? You know, I don't know. And, and, and I see a lot of young comics getting sick multiple times. And I don't know Ugh. how much it's, you know, we're going to hear about it years later. It's just, you know, it's. It, I, know. I was saying to someone recently, I feel like I could, you know, I could easily talk about this with you, Lori, like the ageism thing with Biden seems to be coming from a place of resentment from COVID and not having their high school, their prom, their youth. Yeah. And it has been taken away from them in a sense because they are sicker than other, our generation when we were young. Like I see a lot of stroke victims that are possibly from COVID, right? They don't want to, they're not talking about it, but I'm pretty sure it's, it is a uh, circulation issue. You know, I don't know. That's kind of, I kind of put it together like that. And there's a lot of young kids getting strokes and heart attacks and dying or going into nursing home and they're young. So I feel like that's the, that ageism attack on Biden is sort of like, it's your fault. <laughs> you know, like a weird, I mean, he, 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 as soon as the vaccines are out, they just dropped it as a topic. And it's, you know, what, what I think we should have done, it had, had a massive overhaul of ventilation systems in schools and any sort of public place, make the government pay for it. You know, it's a tax write-off, whatever, because I mean, this is, not only is COVID not going away, but other things are coming. Like, 
climate change is loosening viruses and, and making it, and because we travel so much easier to spread and we just missed an opportunity to make ourselves safe for the next 100 years. And now it's so divisive that, you know, when I bring in, I bring an air purifier with me on the road, I put it on stage Mm -hmm. in front of me and, you know, sometimes someone will say something like, Oh, like when I was in Michigan, Oh yeah, I could tell you're from California because you brought your own air purifier. Like, I mean, what, you know, they were kind of, you know, they were joking a little bit, but also it's like, it's just clean air. Is that bad? Like I'm not spewing anything. I'm actually unspewing. I'm taking stuff out of the air that we're all breathing. Is that okay? Like what's wrong with that? And that, that would be sort of like, you know, looked upon as like a, like a, 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 an indication that I'm, you know, from California or too liberal or whatever. It's so, it's so dumb. Like it's politicized is what what happened. Yeah. 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 They politicized health in America. That's the, that's the insane part. I, I, I I don't get it. And, and everyone's had someone die from this. Everyone. And and mm-hmm. I don't see where we've learned from it. Like I feel like after September 11th, we learned from September 11th on some level, and after COVID, which more people died, where there where is our moment to go and remember and say and honor those people who died, or and say what did we learn from this? There hasn't hasn't been a moment. I want to go back to the doxing because I find that so fat. Now I do delete me. Is something I use to get off of Google. I use that too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It does cost money, but I just want to go to mm-hmm. these stats. Oh, that news story that you put that you sent. Yeah. Yeah. Doxing statistics in 2024, 11 million Americans have been victimized by Safe Home. Max Sheridan wrote this. Doxing started as a prank among computer hackers but has now become a menace affecting millions online, even evolving into a social and political weapon motivated by revenge or monetary gain. The published records intended to embarrass, extort, or exploit a victim. Aside from the financial burdens it can cause victims, it can ruin victims' reputation and mental health long after the attacks. Is your mental health okay, Lori? It is. I do. Um, it, it is. Like I said, because it did go away and then it, people stopped contacting me. Um, and now maybe because I have a chunk making fun of them for doing it, I guess they're leaving me alone or they haven't seen it yet. But, um, you know, I do have a nice, I have a pit bull that barks pretty hard and uh, has a terrible reputation because uh, in the neighborhood for barking a lot. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel... I don't feel uh, worried about those people because the, the, like the Republican sort of mega anger hive, because they do go away. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. In my case, but I just uh, thought, wouldn't it be funny if a dog was named COVID? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great dog name. I mean, COVID. <laughs> Marina, that's hilarious. You got to do that on stage. <laughs> Come here. That's a me. double watchdog right there. Yeah. That's hilarious. That? Yeah. Do- if you didn't know, doxing is short for dropping documents. Okay. Around 4%. Now, this is ah. important. About 4% of Americans, that's 11 million people, report they've been personally victims. About half of all victims said their home addresses or emails were made public. About one in four said doxers distributed their photos or videos online. And about one in five victims said perpetrators shared personal information about their families. The most common consequence of victims in our study included financial losses, mental health impacts, impacts, damage to professional reputations, and physical safety risks. 93% of web users are concerned about doxing today and 73% have limited what they share online to avoid being doxed. I'm going to ask you, Anika, 
Have you ever had anyone try to dox you? And do you know, it's basically like putting your information online, coming after you. Have you ever had that? You're, you're a new comic. So I don't know. Have you had that experience? No. Mm -hmm. Why would they do that? Just to make money? It's to intimidate you. Uh, And also I think Republicans have successfully, like, I'll give you an example, right? Like this week, on the, in the shade room, all I did, they put up a video of Trump playfully boxing with someone. And they were like, uh-oh, look at him showing his hands. And it wasn't like, it was like done in such a like, like nice way. It felt like they weren't addressing the fact this man is a rapist. He wants to kill migrants. He says he wants to put crocodiles and out in the water. He he also wants to be a uh, dictator. None of that was in it. It was just like, oh, look at Trump showing his hands. Now the shade room is black, and all the comments was like, yeah, I'm voting for him. I'm voting. All I put was, if he becomes president, we get what we deserve. Wake people, wake the f up. That's it. The comments on on that was attacking me for just that. I didn't even say who to vote for, nothing like that. I said, if we, if we vote this, we get what we deserve. That's it. I The comments was crazy and wild. And I noticed on the shade room, I don't even know if those people were black. There is a machine out there that is trying to intimidate you as a black voter or as a woman from saying what you want to say. That is what doxing does. It intimidates you and prevents you from speaking up and being vocal in what is probably the most dangerous time in America for democracy. So that is what doxing does. Did that answer your question? So you've never... Monica, you ain't got a bit like that. I got a couple of like that. I guess I'm just not, not big enough yet. But no, but you know what's so crazy away. about that? Like freedom of speech. Like you, they coming after people's livelihood. This is how you feed your family. Is it's like you want you want these things, and then you start looking around and you're like, damn, it's not just selling my soul to the Illuminati. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get through all this other stuff first. It's a lot. You know what? In in my situation, it felt like I was part of the, uh, the machinery, like MSNBC posted the clip on a clip site and framed it so that it sounded, didn't say I was a comic. They just said, guests said she would abort Republican fetus. Then uh, the right wingers grab that clip and they make a ton of money off of it. And they compl- and they complain about MSNBC and then angry Fox viewers watch MSNBC to get more stuff. And it felt like it feels like they're both part of a cycle. And so I just gave them the perfect soundbite to keep their little, um, you know, tornado humming around for another day or two. And, uh, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with me or abortion or anything in the, and for those, for those two entities, it has to do with keeping the anger machine going on both sides. Right. Like what you said earlier about the new comedy fans, not really wanting um, to laugh. They just want someone to say what they want to say so that they can cheer. Yeah. I hate audiences that cheer. I can't stand it. Like it would yeah. eat, when it's all cheering. I'm like, uh oh, I'm in trouble. There's a lot of cheering going on. They're going to be really upset when it's women cheering like a feminist joke. Then I think people like men go, uh oh, <laughs> oh no, they're like the bachelorettes are being activated. Like I, I don't think it helps on either side. You know, like just. If it gets a laugh and then dies down, then you go to your next joke. That's optimum. But when it gets to, you said what I'm thinking, it's like, I didn't because you didn't think of that joke. So I didn't say what you were thinking. I thought of it. (laughs) You're laughing. Let's be clear. I'm the comic. Now, there are laws that are protecting people from doxing in certain states. There's only a few, though. Maryland, Nevada, 
Oregon have laws that specifically outlaw doxing. Though doxing might not be illegal nationwide, the Social Media Victim Law Center said those who are doxed may have some legal recourse if their information was illegally obtained or shared. In 2024, Illinois became the latest state to enact legislation to protect people from doxing. Other states like California, where you are, Lori, or Florida have harassment and cyberbullying laws that could apply to doxing situations. So you are protected, Lori. Thank you. <laughs> Luckily, the guy who put my address on Facebook, it was on, I deleted the comment immediately. Um, so as soon as I saw it, at least, and then it didn't go any further, uh, except for another guy, you know, sent me an email with pictures of where I live. But um, it wasn't like, it was just, again, it was like a momentary, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I wouldn't say it, it for my situation, it would go to that level, but, but, uh, but you know. I guess it's also because you've but, seen judges. To, oh, go ahead, Donika. Getting your information and putting that online, that has to be at the very least harassment, right? And at the and that and at the top, maybe uh, at least a misdemeanor. Like some people need to need to be held accountable for doing stuff like that, because there's a whole movement now. When you find people that you do not agree with online, everyone jumps to get their personal information, get them fired, get them whatever. What what kind of time are we living in? Yeah. My stomach was just growling when you said that. I was like, I got to eat. I hope you didn't hear that in the microphone. Like, what time are we living in? Time for lunch, apparently. <laughs> My stomach was like, Wrong. yeah, you're right. I think if you if there were more people who were like dealt with the consequences of posting like Lori's information, like that person who did that, if if they were fined, like the guy who said that, um, um, the kids that were murdered at the school, like he's like, isn't he like, I forget how much he's, I don't have the facts on me right now, but oh, he Alex was fine. Jones, the Sandy Hook poster. Yeah. That, that is more, that, that was like on a level that, that ended up causing one of those parents to commit suicide. Um, after they had survived the murder of their child years later, they, they had so many people just saying, it's not true. You, you know, you made it up. Da, 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 da one of them uh, killed himself. So yeah, Alex Jones um, I, deserves worse than what he got. And he got a pretty, what he got was pretty bad. Yeah. I believe this is what like needs to happen. Consequence for these actions of trying to, because we're looking at Nancy Pelosi's husband who was like, what is he hitting the head with a hammer? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, if yeah. they can, intercept Nancy Pelosi's home, which I'm assuming she has a pretty good security system. I think Jada Pinkett this weekend, I saw something where she had to deal with people who were trying oh, to intrude on her home. And she saw, wow. she just happened to see them. And then she had to call like, it's insane, but there's not a lot of people who have the money to have security systems, to get a pit bull, to protect yeah. themselves. And everyone who's going on Instagram and social media and saying these things, they don't even know like what can actually come or a young comic, let's just say, just going on stage and speaking their truth and then going home and not knowing what's following them or just saying on stage, you don't like Trump. Just saying it could actually yeah, could lead to some stalking, harassment, bullying, all of it. Yeah, it's really legislation. It's got to happen. I, you know, what I love about you, Lori, is like your ability to address the black community in that one joke about how you didn't know you were you were not showering properly. Can you tell our listeners about that? <laughs> that That is my address to the black uh, community, by the way, is... Uh... <laughs> Thank you for, I, I say thank you for alerting me to a hygiene uh, faux pas, at, at least. That, um, Do you not I shower? Kind of spent my life just like, 
letting the shampoo run down my body and not really scrubbing my legs. And what I learned from Black Twitter was that was gross, that I am gross, and my legs are disgusting. And my message is, guess what? The situation has been corrected and is corrected every day I'm in the shower. Um, there is a, a painful scrubbing. Um, and I just want, I, it's a thank you and an, an acknowledgement. <laughs> I love it. I do. I, and I bring that up also because of the Taylor Swift. This is the day after the Super Bowl. And then there's this article we have about Taylor Swift's boo, Travis. You know, he's got that Travis Kelsey cut. And this is one of the latest examples of whitewashing and <laughs> reporting that's occurred for decades. Uh, one early example was that of Bo Derek. You know, she had the braids. But have you seen this, Onika? Yeah, I have. I have. They said Travis uh, invented the fade. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Fade, like the, the black people haircut that you have, the fade. It's just everything is just so... Um, you know what I blame it on? I blame it on somebody told white people about lotion. And now, and, <laughs> and, now and now they not cracking. Everything is just it's just it's just a big mishmash now. And we cannot have a mishmash because in this mishmash, then black people are whitewashed and canceled out for the things that are like historically like we didn't even know it was ours. But now it's not ours. It's a mess. Do you think it's okay for to see white women in braids, Onika? Um, I don't think it looks great. I, I don't think it looks great. But I wear a wig. This ain't my hair. So I can't judge that. It, it don't look great in Jamaica with the beads. I don't like it, but I wear a wig. To me, it says someone, <laughs> someone's not paying attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're you're not reading all the news if you if you're a white woman going out in braids. You know. But what about dreads? I I yeah. What about dreads? I mean, I I personally. My opinion about seeing white women in dreads or braids is I don't mind it if they give you the credit that it deserves. Like Bo Derek went back and said she acknowledged what she did. You know, she acknowledged it. So if you acknowledge it, and I think that's what's going on with Kelsey is like, they're like, it just acknowledge, say that, you know, this is a black hairstyle. Don't just, you know, kind of like, I, I feel like there's a publicist saying, don't address it. Just leave it alone. But and they're also the thing is, is like they're making lots of money. These barbers are making lots of money off of black hairstyles that historically black individuals have been fired from their jobs from. So I think that is the real yeah. reason why it's an issue is that, OK, that's fine. You want to do our hairstyles? That's good. But then don't fire me. From having right. that same hairstyle. Right. It's like a plan in your face. And I feel like lately, especially with like the, the rolling back of diversity and inclusion and all that stuff, it just seems like it's so blatant because even if Trav, um, even if, uh, Travis didn't say, you know, this isn't, this is a black haircut or he did say it's a black haircut. Who gave that credit to him? He invented this new haircut. We've been here all the time. You have eyes. So, so you know that he didn't, he, this is not his haircut. You know that that's not what's going on, but you're saying it, which is just gaslighting the black community, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody was saying on Twitter, like, this is, oh, that you don't, that the New York Times doesn't have enough black reporters who would step in and go, uh, guys, time out. Uh, he, he did not invent this, you know? I feel, I, I, it's so weird because I felt like we already addressed this and I thought we were all on the same page and here we are again. It's so weird. Anyway, I hate to leave it there. Yeah. 
But we do have to leave it there. I want to thank you both so much for joining me today on Friends Like Us. And Lori, please go out and see Lori Kilmartin's yes. special because let me tell you, she is a master of comedy. Trust me when I say that. Lori is one of the funniest women that has ever worked. Lori, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find me at uh, anylori16. These are handles I adopted before I realized social media would, my life and mortgage would depend on them. On Twitter and uh, Instagram, Lori Kilmartin on TikTok. Uh, everything is available on my website, lorikilmartin.com, including links to Amazon and Apple TV and YouTube where you can get my special depending on which which streamer that you prefer. And with friends like us, we're never going to get doxxed. <laughs> yes! Yes! Onika? Hi. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms, Onika, O-N-I-K-A comedy. TikTok is Onika.comedy uh, and with friends like us, even when the internet trying to get you down, you have a friend <laughs> in us to pull you through it. That's right. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, you can have women of a certain age and you'll have internet trouble, but it'll still be an amazing episode that you can share with friends. Thank you so much. Check, Check us out. out.